Welcome to Hunt Harvest Health Podcast with your host, Ryan Lampers, a.k.a. The Stealthy Hunter. Howdy. And myself, Dr. Hillary Lampers, where we share our love for ancestral living and the health topics of the modern age. Ryan is the well-rounded bearded brawn of Hunt Harvest Health. His knowledge of backcountry adventure, western hunting, and our household status as garden guru and super dad really defines our gut stealthy lifestyle. Doc Hillary is definitely the brains and beauty behind all of this. She kind of makes everything happen as I have zero technical skills. Hill is just a wealth of knowledge in all things medicine and nutrition, which not only keep our family healthy, but they help me stay strong in all my mountain adventures. You can follow us at huntharvesthealth.com, Instagram, and Facebook for more podcasts, recipes, and stories. All right, let's do this. Welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. This is Doc Hillary, and today I have a special guest with me, Ms. Tana Lampers, who in a lot of ways has her dad's fear of talking in front of people, including me, some days. So she's agreed to help me do this podcast intro tonight. Hi, Tana. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Did you have a good day at school today? Yeah. Yeah? Great. What did you learn about in school today? I don't know. How is that always a question? That's the answer for all kids. I don't know. You don't know what you learned? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me one thing you learned today in school. Mm. Really? Should I just keep you home from school if you're not learning anything? I am learning, but I forgot what I'm learning. You forgot what you're learning? I'm learning about coins. Coins. And what are coins? Money. Coins are money. Why is money important? So you can buy stuff. So you can buy stuff. <laughs> yep. Yep. So um, today's podcast is part number two with Sean McCoy from Frank's Little Farm in Missoula, Montana. We are going to go over uh, planning your garden today. And what are all the things that you want to look for when you're planning your garden? Tiana, what do you look for when you plan your garden? Seeds. Seeds. Yeah. What else? Dirt. Dirt. Anything else? Flowers. Flowers. Yeah. I like flowers. Daddy doesn't really like flowers. He thinks it's a waste of time. But I like flowers. Do you like flowers? hmm Yeah. Flowers bring in the bees and the butterflies, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And um, pretty much the only flowers we can grow out here are geraniums. So don't get too excited about flowers out here in the windy prairie. Um, But all right. How do you like gardening, Tana? What? Do you like gardening? Yeah. What's fun about it? Is all the hard work fun? Not really. Shoveling all the dirt, is that fun? Yeah. Yeah? What about planting your seeds, is that fun? Kind of. Watching it grow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, giving it water? Not really. 
Not really. That's not fun. Mm -hmm. How about picking it and eating it? No. That's not fun? No. That's the funnest part. What about a fresh pea right off the thing? Do you like eating it? Eating a flower? A pea. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, we like peas. What about carrots? Yeah. Mm hmm. What else do we eat out there? Greens? Um, strawberries. Strawberries. That's right. So it's fun to have a garden, huh? When are our peas growing? Well, we have to plant them. So we'll get going on that. All right. Well, thanks, Tana, for being such a lively guest. I'm sure everybody's loving to get to know you. How? <laughs> it's been a long time since we've had a kiddo on. The last time I had a kiddo on, Paley was young. But Paley likes to talk. She was talking, talking, talking up a storm. That was back when we were learning about puppy milk. <laughs> I think that's the last time Paley was on the podcast. I don't even know what podcast that is, but you can go back and listen to it. It's about puppy milk. If you're wondering <laughs> what puppy milk is, um, but it's kind of fun having you on, huh? Yeah. All right. So just before we go, I wanted to remind everybody, we do have some openings still for our family camp at the summits. Are you so excited for summit season? Yeah. Yeah, what's fun about the summits? Um last year, what did you do that was your funnest? Go to the lake. Yeah. We had a lake on the last place we went. You guys would go to the lake. What about you guys? You shooting shooting bows, building forts in the trees? Yeah. You built quite a fort out in those trees, huh? Hey, we did. Remember? You had a house. You took me out there? Oh, yeah. You had a bedroom. You had a dining room. You had a bathroom. You had all kinds of stuff out there in the trees. Remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this year, family camp, last week in June, we're going to have kids, parents, grandparents, entire families there. And it's going to be a blast, huh? Actually, this morning, Tana said, I love summit season. It's so much fun. So we're looking forward to it. So if you're still interested in maybe coming and hanging with us and you can swing it at the end of June, go to westernhuntingsummit.com and get your spot and your kiddo's spot. Yeah. And your spot. And my spot. Uh, I got lots of spots there. I'll be all over the place there. So your will you. Spot. <laughs> all right. This is a great podcast. As always, if you have any questions for Sean, he's probably the best way to get a hold of Sean is to send him a message on Instagram at Frank's Little Farm. All right. Enjoy. Yeah. All right, Sean, you're back. I'm back. Uh, Thanks for having me back. I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for um, being here on a Sunday morning. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, when you have kids and businesses, sometimes it's the only time you get to do fun stuff like this. It sure <laughs> to is. To have a conversation yeah. that's not with a kid or with work. So. Well, and there's a good chance we'll, we'll get an interruption here from one of our kids. Uh, I've already had a few. Yeah. So <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. I get interruptions for meetings, you know? So. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so let's chat today about what we're going to talk to our listeners about. Um, I'll kind of just let you roll with it. Again, um, if those of you who have not listened to the podcast yet, this is Sean McCoy, and he has a CSA urban farm, I would call it, in Missoula, Montana, called Frank's Little Farm. And if you go back to the previous podcast that we did, he kind of you talk about yourself and why it's named Frank's Little Farm. So your name is not Frank, but <laughs> I know we've all called you Frank at one point in time. Um, but uh, yeah, go back and listen to that because that's a great uh, podcast to learn more about who you are, Sean. Um, so today we are going to talk a little bit, we're going to kind of go in steps, I think, uh, with this gardening because we could just go down a million different roads and get totally sidetracked. So today's podcast, we're going to talk about garden layout and a few other things that you wanted to share about that. So I'll let you take the floor here. Okay. Yeah. And thanks again for having me. Greatly appreciate being here. It's lots of fun. Even though I get nervous, as soon as we, as soon as we get for real, I'm like, oh, I'm not get nervous. <laughs> Nobody's here it's but hard. you and me. So yeah, I think today we were going to, what, what our idea is, is to um, break this up into smaller segments so that we can have a little bit more in-depth focus on things, but also not talk for, you know, two, three hours at a time. Um, I think one of the things I realized in, you know, working on this with you is just, there is so much information that, you know, we could try and pass along and, and I'm no expert, right? Like, I think that's one of the things I wanted to clarify in the last podcast is I am not an expert by any means, I do have a lot of experience. I've been farming now for 12 or 13 years. So I have a lot of experience, but I'm definitely no expert. I am not the best farmer in the world. Um, I know some amazing farmers though. Maybe one of these days we can get you to talk to some of them. Yeah, I love that. Um, so garden layout. And then I think we're going to talk about resources, information, yes. um, books that you can you can go to, um, and uh, maybe uh, social media folks that you can follow or that maybe Doc and I follow and keep tabs on. So those are our two topics for today. And um, I guess, uh, which one should we start with here? Should we? Yeah, let's, let's maybe start with resources. I think yeah, resources a is a good place to start for most folks. Yeah, that sounds good. So I'm gonna start with books because I'm still, I'm still, I'm an old, old nerd and I like books. I love, I love books. I do too. I um, I have a huge real books. real books, paper. I don't, I have yet to read a book on a Kindle. I'm proud to say. <laughs> um, Good for you. so my first book, one of my first recommendations for folks is, uh, Rodell's all a new encyclopedia of organic gardening. Um, and Rodell's is R O D A L E. Um, apostrophe S for the, you know, possessive there, but um, Encyclopedia of Organic Gardening, I don't know if you could, you could get a better, like, go-to to have on the shelf for your daily questions. Um, and I mean, this is something that I reference all the time. Um, you know, I, I don't know, I had a question about potatoes this year and potato seed and, pull this out, start looking through it. Um, it's just got an enormous amount of information. I don't even know if I could be begin to like dive into what's in there. I mean, we're talking pruning for trees 
you name it, it's in there. So it's, it's just a really good resource to have on hand, in my opinion. Um, another really good book, um, and it's by Susan Ashworth, is called Seed to Seed, um, Seed Saving and Growing Techniques for Vegetable Gardeners. And that's another one that is um, just, you know, you, you really, if you're going to be in gardening, I think those two books are like a, a good bedrock for you to have sitting on the shelf. And if you decide you want to save some lettuce seed or some kale seed, that book's going to give you a, a breakdown on how to go about that. Um, and then another good one for, I think, folks just thinking about our area and the little bit more of the northern climate where maybe yeah. we've only got five or six months of growing is organic or excuse me, organic gardening in cold climates by Sandra Perrin. And that's uh, the last name is P-E-R-R-I-N. And um, that's a really good resource from. I don't know. It covers most of the like central northern port of the U.S. up into Alaska um, oh, and wow. Canada. Um, so a little bit colder climates. And then I think the last like book recommendation I have for folks, if you want to take and we, we did some of this um, in the last podcast talking about soil um, and you know, the microorganisms in your soil and all of the life that is in there. Um, just a fantastic book is Teeming with Microbes. And that is authored by Jeff Lowenfels. Lowenfels. Last name W, or excuse me, last name L-O-W-E-N-F-E-L-S. So Jeff Lowenfels and Wayne Lewis are the two authors of that. Um, and this is very much a tech, more technical, right? This really gets into the technical side of um, soil and what's going on in your soil, but it's a phenomenal read and it's well worth it if you're looking to deep, you know, dive deep and get a better understanding of what people mean by mycorrhiza or, you know. Gotcha all the benefits within your soil and why to take care of your soil. Um, and I think in a later podcast, we're going to talk about no till versus till, but you know, that's a good book to like really dive into why okay. um, you're, you're not doing yourself a lot of favors if you're tilling heavily all the time. Mm -hmm. So let's see. And then social media. Um, I'm going to put out, let's see. So my favorite gardener to follow is this woman who lives down in Florida. So she's in a little warmer climate. Oh, um, yeah, she's in heaven for gardening. Yes, <laughs> you guys just went there. Yeah, um, it's like wonderful for gardening. Yeah, beautiful sandy beaches. So um, her handle, as they say, um, is Soul Gardener seventy four, all one word. Um, and man, she is just really good at like teaching and educational and DIY, like just tons of DIY information. She just recently did a little shade house for grasshoppers, which made me think of you guys. Oh, geez. Um, I need to look that up. And the only question mark I had was whether or not um, it would withstand the winds. Like what she was doing wouldn't withstand the winds that you guys have. Yeah. Um, but it did make me wonder about putting shade cloth around your guys's garden 
to see if that would help limit um, your guys's grasshopper problems because it creates a barrier. Was she putting shade cloth over the top and everything? So she did like a PVC hoop. Um, I would say uh, like a, a twelve by twenty PVC over each hoop. box. Um, it was more like um beds. She had like two beds in there, I think. Gotcha. Well, um, Ryan has talked about he looked into building these basically per box. He would build this thing that you could lift up and put down, and it would kind of like a I think kind of what you're talking about. He hasn't gotten around to building those, but when, of course, you know, when we had the grasshopper issue and I don't know if we're going to have it this year, if they're going to come back, we didn't have it last year. Um, whether or not, you know, we need to build those. The, the complication that I see with that is like, you have to build them now and they have to be out there. Like we start seeing baby grasshoppers, but last year we had baby grasshoppers, but it never got to the situation it got the year before. But I feel like they need to be built and they need to be on the beds. And if the grasshoppers don't show up, great. But mm -hmm. if the grasshoppers show up, there's so many of them. Like once they get into those boxes, there's no way you get them out. Is there? Yeah. Yep. There no. Well, I mean, there are some tricks, um, you know, uh, you know, you could use Seamuspore, um, yeah. which is a, uh, I don't know if it's Omri listed or organic. I'd have to double check that. We used something I think that you recommended that we put around the boxes and we mm -hmm. put, it was to help kill it, but I think we had too many at the time that you suggested. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like the grasshopper issue, moisture makes a huge difference. If you have a wet, rainy year, you're going to have more bugs. If you have a dry, real dry season like last year, you're going to have less bugs. Um, <laughs> oh, no. It's been so, for a few days. I'm like, ah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and you really don't know. But, yeah, I mean, you start seeing your baby grasshoppers super early. And that's the time to get after them with Seamuspore. And you're totally right. Like, it yeah. makes a big difference to get your, your covers on there earlier um, if you're trying to combat something specifically as, as grasshoppers. Um, and then you guys got the wind. You guys always have to factor in the wind. We'll we built a hoop house cover for one of our boxes with just regular, like, I don't know. I don't know what plastic it was. Ryan could tell you. It was pretty sturdy in Washington. It would have lasted us for years. It literally, the wind just destroyed it. Like by the end of this season and these windstorms we have, I mean, we've, we had the wind actually pick it up like off the box and like dump it on its side. So that is the struggle for us. We need more um, solid structure. Yeah. And then like a hoop house or a PV, even a PVC, um, a polyurethane, I think it is greenhouse. Like we, we cannot, we have to have a real greenhouse with like windows and glass or really strong um, plastic. We cannot have like we had in Washington. It would be on. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you guys are correct. Although there's a couple of greenhouses out there that I've been, you know, wanting to. I know you guys are so strapped for time and it would be like a big gamble whether it would work. But I've been wondering about a couple of style of greenhouses, whether or not they would work for you guys. Well, Ryan has really been looking into the underground. So we also live in a very hot climate here in the summer. And that's our other problem is how do we keep if we have a greenhouse, how do we keep things in there from literally like baking? Mm -hmm. completely baking and um so ryan really did a ton of research on these guys that built underground greenhouses where they 
put most of the greenhouses down and then you have the sun. So you've got in the summer, you've got the coolness. And then in the winter, you can actually grow better too because there's somewhat insulation by the ground. So we've looked into that. That's a major project, obviously. Building an above ground greenhouse is pricey and time consuming, but building an underground greenhouse around here, we have to do some serious excavation and yeah. the process of that. So, but he was looking into that, I think, to help with the cold and to help with the heat, which is the stuff sure. we have as well here. Yeah, he and I talked about that um, at least a little bit. Um, and it was it was when we were just starting to first meet and you guys hadn't been in the house for very long. But, yeah, no. I, you know, it's an absolutely great idea um, if you guys can move on it. I think it would you guys would love it um, and it would give you a little more of what you were used to of, you know, more greens and things year round. Yeah. Yeah, I think for us, we've realized um, like the gardening and we're going to have some boxes this year and stuff, but we do realize in our climate that we chose to live in, um, we are going to have to have a functional greenhouse um, that's a structure. It's like a permanent structure um, based on where we live. So, um, and we realize that if we're going to get the yields that we were getting in Washington, um, based on the short growing season and then also our elements. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear you guys have decided to get some boxes. I was getting ready to, we'll talk about this maybe later. Yeah, I was going to tell you guys, like, yeah, I have plants. I will, we'll, those boys will be coming back through here. Mark will be heading over there. We'll yeah. send you plants. We'll send you plants. I need plants. I'll tell you this year, I haven't done any starts. And I thought about it because I was working out in the yard yesterday and kind of spring cleaning and stuff. And my garden is really sad. But I, I didn't do any starts in the basement yet, so I don't have any of that. But what I'm going to do is clean up my beds and get everything kind of ready. So if we've got plants, and we're not going to do a huge garden this year. Ryan has agreed. We are going to do a sensible garden this year <laughs> due to time. And that's what I want. So that's what we're going to do. But yeah, any plants you have, you've been gracious. Um, I, I would love that. So Yes, well, we'll yes. do that. Okay, so let's talk plan. about... Yeah, yeah, speaking of plants, go ahead. Um, let's talk about garden layout a little bit. Um, okay. And so, you know, I think just if you're starting from scratch, we'll just go there. Um, you know, let's try and take into consideration where your house is, where you are, or if you're in an apartment. We touched on this a little bit last time. I mean, even if you just have a balcony, you know, where where is your balcony? Are you facing west? Are you facing east? Are you facing south? Are you facing north? Because, um, you know, three of those sides, you could probably grow something on. If you're facing north and you don't get any sun, that might be a challenge. You might, mm -hmm. you might really not be able to get anything going there. And in which case, is there a garden, community garden attached to your apartment complex? Or are you in a city where there's community gardens, um, excuse me, available to you to go in and rent for a reasonable place or price? Um, you know, here in Missoula, it's called the Garden City in large part because we have community gardens all over the place. Um, and they're much more popular. So ideally, there are more of those available to people all over the country. Um, so the first thing you want to think about is where you're going to place things as far as relation to your house and your yard. Um, 
and then like sun exposure where where is shade is my house shading something is my giant tree out front shading something um and if so how long is it shading things when is shade coming through you know what is what are the dynamics of my microclimate another you know like key term from our last podcast what's it like in my yard what is it like as far as shade and sunlight and then maybe even one more thing to throw in there is like watering do i have a sprinkler system or am i moving hoses around um and so if you can kind of start with those like three things you can start to identify maybe where you want to put boxes if you're buying boxes or if you're building like no-till beds using if you're laying down like cardboard and then putting soil over the top of them and maybe building boxes around that or if you're looking at um going right into your soil you're like oh, i'm gonna dig up my grass i want to mow less um you know that's that's me right like i <laughs> That was my big battle as a teenager was mowing the lawn and I still don't like mowing the lawn. So I'm Ryan, happy to till grass. Ryan agrees um, with you there. Yeah. We yeah. can't I grow mean, grass very good here. So no, the clay. You have to is, have sod. Yeah. 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 The clay is too difficult. Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> trying to lay those things out. And I think um, it's, you know, like it's okay to lay your garden out based on sun exposure and shade. You can put some garden boxes. Maybe you got a shady area where you can put a garden box or a garden bed where you want to, where you want to grow your greens, right? Because your greens are going to be happy in the shade. They're going to do a little bit better and maybe come August, they're getting lots of full sun, but um, they get a little bit of shade in the afternoon. Um, and so some of these things are going to take time. And that's another one of the things we talked about a lot in the last podcast is, is being patient and recognizing that this is a long-term project, ideally, and that you're looking at the long-term future. So if something doesn't work out one season, be up for moving it or be up for rotating your crops. Um, and then I think another good thing to keep in mind when you're looking at layout and building your garden is, is too much sun Am I, is it going to be too hot so there's there's a few misconceptions out there as far as like some of the hot crops we'll say tomatoes and peppers um eggplant and some of those things and folks will put them right up against their house south facing side and that's great for maybe most of the year but you get into august maybe early september it gets up to like 105 degrees over there and you're yeah, our siding literally it is like at the end of the day you could sunbake off of that siding it's probably 200 degrees coming off of there i'm not even kidding you you cannot touch the wall that's yeah. how hot it gets so you'd be frying stuff yes exactly and not only are you um going to be frying stuff but you're going to be watering way more than you want to be um and you're um Plants may not set fruit as well once it gets to that time of year, if it gets too hot. Um, so tomatoes, for instance, tomato pollen begins to like kind of, I don't know if liquefy is quite the right word, but starts to thicken. Um, once you break over like 98, 99 degrees, mm. and when that pollen begins to thicken, they don't self-pollinate very well. Um, so if you're... Um, 
you know, if you don't have as much bee activity or if you don't have ants or beetles or something moving the pollen around, pollen around from you, for you and it's more wind driven, then your pollination is going to go down and your fruit setting is going to go down and you're going to have a gap in there. And for a lot of gardeners, that gap right there can be really detrimental because you want that fruit set. Um, and then if we're looking at peppers, one of the things that, you know, like I run into a bunch is sun scalding. You know, your peppers are out, they're doing beautiful. They can handle the side of the house. They can handle that 105 degrees. But unfortunately, as your fruit gets bigger, it starts po poking out underneath the leaves and you start to get sun scalding on your peppers. Mm -hmm. um, hot peppers won't do that as much. You know, if you're doing like um, um, cayennes or jalapenos or, you know, the, the high capsium, high heat peppers, they don't sun scald as much in my experience. However, sweet peppers sun scald very easily. Mm -hmm. um, and last year was one of my first years of experimenting around with shade cloth over my, my pepper beds. Um, and that was kind of a, a really successful experiment for me. And it's something that I know other, other farmers do. Um, and it went great. We had no sun scalding and our peppers were doing great. Um, so it's important to try and calculate these things into your garden layout. And if you've already got your garden laid out and set, and you've got some of these things that we're touching on, be open to change, right? You might be able to take that, what was your tomato bed that maybe is getting too hot on the south side of your house and turn it into an herb bed put lemon balm in there, put mint in there. Well, be careful putting mint in there. Yeah, <laughs> it takes over. It's a mint weed. takes over, right? Um, yeah. But you can put herbs in there that are lower. They're going to, you know, they won't um, suffer from the heat nearly as bad. And then you can move your tomatoes. And again, you want to try and set your garden up if you can, right? And this is all going to be based on availability and size and space, but so that you can rotate your crops. You want to be able to move your crops around to the best of your ability. And, you know, this isn't going to be as mandatory for the gardener, but it really helps reduce your, your disease and your pests. And so you want to move things around. You want to have the op option and opportunity to move things around. Um, so if you've got garden boxes and you're setting things up. Um, I don't know how many folks have had an opportunity to look at your guys's garden, but um, Ryan and Hillary and the girls, you know, they've got like, well, you guys got like eight, 10 boxes out there. Uh, I think we've got three, six, nine, oh, 10 or 11. Yeah. We haven't used them all. Ryan built some, he tried to plant some things in them our first year. Of course they didn't succeed. So we, we definitely have like six really functioning boxes, maybe seven. Yeah. And then we've used some, you know, tires and we have some old um, watering, you know, things, steel mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Um, and so if you're, you know, if you can have that number of beds, that gives you the opportunity to rotate your crops, to move them around. Um, so when you say that, can I just clarify um, are you meaning like each season plant different stuff in each box or are you mean, meaning during one season that you're moving things around? Great question. Great question. Thank you. Yeah. Um, each season moving things around. So if your tomatoes okay. are in one box one year, the next year move them to another box gotcha. and the next okay. year 
move them to another box. And, you know, say if, you know, ideal circumstances is if you've got, you know, one area laid out, it's all getting about the exact same sun and shade. You know, if you can move your stuff around and be on like a five or six year rotation, mm-hmm. that's awesome, right? That's just really amazing as far as like trying to protect from soil and pests and all those different things. Because if you leave things in the same beds every year, your pests figure that out, right? So they start to uh, hunker down for the things that they like. Um, you're more prone for disease because the, you know, like whatever it is, if you've got like some type of early blight in that soil um, that came in with the tomatoes or because of the tomatoes, it's going to stay there. Um, whereas if you can move those tomatoes out, move them away, move them to a different spot, throw some kale in there or throw some carrots in there. Blight doesn't seem to bother those. Plants? No, no. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, you get different pests. Um, right. And so maybe the aphids, aphids don't tend to bother my tomatoes very much. Um, but you know, they go after brassicas or kale and char, well, chard's not a brassica. <laughs> Sorry. I just learned that. I'm trying broccoli, to that cauliflower. broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, kale, um, collard greens, collard greens. And what's the really, uh, Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts is really hard for us to grow out here because the aphids just go after them. I gotcha. Um, so that, you know, and aphids tend to live in your, in your soil and leaf litter and things like that over winter. Um, okay. So with the garden layout, just trying to look at um, those positioning, right? Like where are you putting things in relation to sun, shade, and water? You know, like, where are my hoses? What, you know, like if you can reduce the amount of hose dragging that you're doing or whatnot, um, that is, that is like a really good foundation to start like laying out your garden. Um, and then I think one other thing that we could throw in at the top here is, you know, if you can, right, orientation to the sun. So are your beds running north and south? east and west or maybe on a little bit of diagonal um ideal in my mind and i think there might be some debate about this in the in the farming and gardening world in my mind north and south is is the ideal setup because you get um a little bit better sun coverage so the sun's going to come up on your east and it's going to travel across your plants over to the west so they're getting sun exposure on the same on both sides Whereas if your beds are running north and south, or excuse me, if your beds are running east and west, the sun comes up and they kind of, the sun is kind of on the same side of the plants all the time. And the shade is kind of on the same side and you don't get as much variation um, with your sun exposure. Um, Now, as I say that, I'm looking out my window right now and I have beds running east and west. Um, That's because I that's the only thing I can do. So this isn't mandatory. It's just yeah. something that if you can make it that way, you know, make your sun exposure. We have east-west beds, but we also have it in, we have no trees. So mm-hmm. like it gets consistent sun from sunset to sundown. Um, yeah. That's our big problem is shade. Unless it's a shady day out. We don't have like Washington. We had trees all around the house. We had large evergreen trees. So 
we had no south-facing sun in our house, so our garden had to be strategically placed in the back part of our property where the sun, and it was facing like east, and it was kind of away from all the big trees. So in the morning, it would, the sun would come up, and then it would get as much shade, but usually in the afternoon, it's going to get shade from the, the west because of just the way our lot was laid out. So in Washington, everything where we planted everything was strategically done based on how much sun it was going to get in a day because sun there is not as abundant as it is here in Montana. Um, And there we had a lot of water, which is the opposite of here. We have too much sun, not enough water here. There we had too much water, you know, sporadic sun. And so we also had to put our plants in situations where they weren't going to get drowned or there wasn't going to be an issue, you know, if they were planted a certain place, if it rained, because sometimes it could rain for days, like nonstop rain. Right. And so we had to be conscious of that, which here we don't have that issue. So we're always trying to keep it wet here. And that's our biggest, those are our two biggest changes that we had. So our sun is pretty much consistent throughout the day and we have very, everything is on the south side of our property um, facing South. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I noticed that shade makes a huge difference for sure. And if you have trees and like you said, you know, looking at your property and thinking you, you really have to kind of learn your seasons a little bit. And you even have to think like we had a gr- long growing season in Washington, so we could start planting stuff in April and May. Right. But the sun is very different in April and May versus August and September. So you actually have to learn what your sun is doing throughout the year, which takes time to understand if you want the best growth. Right. And if you're like we are here now, you have so much sun, you're actually trying to get away from sun at certain parts of the day. And how do you how do you do that? But um, and even here, the sun in April versus the sun in September is is way different. And the intensity is way different and that kind of thing. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't think you could you could put it, you know, much better. I think um, those are those are great Um just like tips and techniques as far as like, you know, the being patient and like being able to slow down, which we talked about last time, right? Like taking the time to sit out on your whatever backyard porch, whatever it is and drink your cup of coffee and be like, okay, where is the shade in my yard? Where is the sun coming from right now? And it's, it's now it's the end of April and what happens come August Um, and then I also think that, you know, like that's a great, um, discussion to be had. What happens if you have a really shady yard? Should I just not garden? Um, and of course, you know, for us on this podcast, the answer is no, No, um, you gotta pick the right plants. You you gotta, you gotta pick everything. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's lots of things you can do. If you've got, if you've got a whole bunch of trees, you can thin your trees out um, and whether or not that means taking out an entire tree or just thinning up the limbs, right? Thin up the limbs, maybe make them a little higher. You know, as you start to see how the sun is working in your yard, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, And, you know, I don't, I think it's important for people not to fall into the trap that I have to have full sunlight, right? Particularly for like tomatoes or peppers or things like that. Like, yes, they like heat. Everything likes full sun, but that doesn't mean that you can't find success Mm -hmm. 
if you've got lots of shade, because you can't. You can still find success. You just got to pay a little closer attention to where those sunny spots are. And, you know, maybe it's a thing where you're getting shade in the afternoon or in the morning, excuse me, but you get full sun in the afternoon and that can be perfect. Um, or it's vice versa. Maybe you're getting full sun right thing in the morning, right first thing in the morning and until two o'clock and then you get shade in the afternoon. That can be good too. Um, it's, it's not going to make or break your garden. Um, I don't think. Um, and I mean, there's going to be some places, right? Like you, if you yeah. don't get any sun <laughs> at all, like you're somewhere. In- we have a lot of people that listen in Washington and I'm telling you, there are places in Washington that you get no sun. If you yeah. live in a place that has a backyard that faces like North or West and you have huge evergreen trees, you literally may not get hardly any sun like in your yard. It's really, really common. Here, not so much. We don't have these large evergreen trees, at least where we live, you know, and there's a lot more days of sun. There you could literally, like even in the sunny months, your yard is not getting sun. And so to me, you have to think about the plants that will grow in that and or, you know, um, where could you, maybe it's your front yard. Maybe your front yard is getting the sun in in the west right it's like if in the afternoon it's getting sun in your front yard so maybe that's where you need to be planting vegetables and stuff like in your herb gardens or flower gardens you need to kind of do this can you know whatever combining things so that you get some of those veggies but i have lived in places where literally you you think it's crazy when you live here but that do not get any good sun during the day and that's where i think if you love to garden and you wanted to do that and you can, you may want to consider cleaning up your trees and or cutting some trees down um, just because you're not ever going to get that sun in there that you need um, to, to maybe grow as more robust crop as you want. But. Yeah. And I think if, the, I mean, if it's an option, I, I don't, you're never going to hear me not say, cut down, you know, like I cut down all the trees in our yard, except for like one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, to put in our farm um so if that option is available to you absolutely like selectively look for trees that you can take it down and um bring in sun um and then like you're hitting the nail on the head maybe you put some you know maybe you've got your greens in the back because Mm -hmm. they can handle less sun and they do just fine and you've got your tomatoes up front or your peppers or whatever it is. Maybe it's just your flower beds, but you've got those up front because, you know, whatever, due to construction and your street, you just get more sun up front. Yeah. Um, I think the, the real key is being dynamic and not falling prey to the idea that a garden has got to be this thing that is in one little square in your yard that is confined to that square, right? Like, mm-hmm. That's not how it has to be. You can you can really be dynamic, and you can have garden beds all over the place, um, and you can maximize your you know your sun and your shade and your water that way. Um, and if that's not an option for you, figure out what is. Figure out what your options are, um, and and go for it and grow something. Right. Yeah. For sure. Cool. Okay. Um, so what would be next there? 
I don't know what uh, what else. Let's see here. Let me think. What else can we talk about with garden layout? Yeah, I have a question about water, and we yeah. can probably do a whole podcast on water. But um, we have really hard water here. Mm-hmm. When we when we water and it dries really quick here. I mean, we have to water a couple times a day. We're on a right now. We're not on a drip system or anything. We're like on a sprinkler system because we haven't built any type of irrigation system yet. But um, there is always the the minerals are coating our our plants and i always wonder is that good for them like the water being so hard is that going to affect i'm guessing that affects too how the plants grow um and we never had that in washington um we actually had the opposite in washington we were on city water Mm. and which was interesting we lived in a rural out-of-town area but they had piped like water out to our areas a long time ago so we had city water um which we filtered when we drank and when we showered and stuff but we put it on our lawn and it seemed to work great but we also had rain buckets so we would collect rain throughout the year and we used that a lot as well because in washington i mean we had an abundance of water like i said in washington it was like how do we not drown um and how do we utilize the water that we get for rain and all that collection here we have a well so we have all these hard minerals in our water and i didn't know if there's any strategies for that or you know how that affects the plants or whatnot but that's always one of my questions with watering well i'll take a stab at it this is definitely one of the areas where i gotta say um i don't know the sciences um behind it um so we have pretty high mineral water we have a lot of iron in our water here it's not really hard um, I grew up, uh, in Southern Idaho, we had really hard water as well. Um, everybody's got water softeners, right. Yeah. Um, which today I, I can't stand because you always feel slimy. Um. <laughs> we have to have them though. I know when the salt has run out because like our dishes won't clean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You just feel like your hair just, it, you just don't feel right. You have to have a water softener where we live. So um, my like, my educated guess is going to be that the having hard water is not going to adversely affect your plants um, dramatically. And maybe um, depending on how hard it is, but I think the plants um, can work through that, particularly if your soil is robust and full of lots of good things and they may even like the you know if you've got lots of minerals in there they might like the micro minerals um but um i want to say that if if you've got a water softener going and the water softener is we do not have it don't the water softener is only in the house we our water comes straight from the well Yes. Yeah, we, I'm not putting any water. Actually, in my house, I have an issue with my house plants. It's actually, it's actually more confusing with my house plants because I, I give I, our water softener is not connected to our cold water, so yeah. I can turn the cold water on and water my house plants. But my house plants are actually sort of sensitive to that water. Like if I give them too much of that water, like they just they're not as lively. So I have our filtered drinking water mm-hmm. and I'll kind of mix it. Like I'll use the cold water from the tap and then I'll use some filtered drinking water. And that's what I give my house plants because the cal- all the stuff that's in, hi Arlo, 
all the stuff that's in, um, you know, the, the, so I can't give them the softened water. That's not good. And I've learned that, but, um, yeah, that's a little trickier for us, but outside it's the well. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think it's because we evaporate so fast here. It's probably the problem is I notice the minerals on the plants is a lot more because we have the wind and so it gets warm and stuff like dries out super quick. And then I notice that when I clean vegetables, when I collect, but I didn't know if that had any, if there was any problem with that or not. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And you know what? I think maybe the best thing we could do is, um, We'll let's write that question down and we'll research it. Um, okay. I didn't, um, I didn't. I would like to do a podcast on watering systems mm -hmm. um, because I have had numerous people say they use these no water boxes. They've set up all kinds of different things. Um, uh, yeah. I'd like to do a podcast on water and, and options for watering. Um, yeah, I think that's a great idea. That might be one of the biggest struggles too for the gardener is the water situation and how to make sure your plants are getting adequate water or not too much water. Like I said, like we lived in Washington, but, and then yeah. maybe how to collect water and mm -hmm. re reuse and recycle our resources that we have, you know, naturally. Um, okay. So cool. I, um, I will add all of the resources to the show notes or, and then I will also add these books to our Amazon channel at stealthyhunter.com. And so if you want to go into our Amazon shop area there, they'll just, so you can click on them if you wanted to um, go directly to them. I will also have those. I don't have any of these books. Can you believe it? So I'm going to go buy them because <laughs> I need them. Um, and especially organic gardening in cold climates, that sounds like that's right up my alley. Um, and so we'll go ahead and get that. So if anyone's interested, all those resources will be in the show notes as well as at stealthyhunter.com. Um, and social media, like Sean said, I think, you know, Soul Gardener 74, I don't have my phone here because, um, one of my chillins has my phone right now. So I follow numerous people on Instagram and Instagram is a great wealth of knowledge, gardeners, homesteaders, CSA farmers, like you name it. Um, I absolutely get sucked into that some days, just looking at people's gardening and planting and what they can do. And of course I get a little melancholic because of where I live. Um, you, I will again, reiterate Sean lives in what's called the Sun Belt of Montana so he lives in a climate that's a better suited to growing uh even though we're in the same zone pretty sure we're the same zone I think so you are in the area there Missoula there's there's an area that growing is just it's just better I think as far yeah. and we live in a much more harsh climate here so we live in a high prairie high sun high wind area and our soil is clay, so we have to have boxes and we have to supplement our soil. Um, currently, we cannot, we have some berries and stuff we direct put right into the ground, but most things we're doing in boxes right now. Um, so I think that going on Instagram and even looking for people that live in climates like you, that's probably a great resource to get because there are, we were just talking about how many people like make amazing reels and great information on Instagram. Um, to help you with gardening. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like we talked about this in the last podcast, podcast too, but local farms, like if you can find your local farms, a lot of them are on Instagram um, or yeah. Facebook if you are um, go that route. 
And, you know, they're really fun to follow and watch. And some of them are really good about education. Um, I was trying to look for, there's a, somebody I just started following on Instagram who does a lot of no-till, um, not a lot, but he's all in on no-till gardening and no, and he does a production farm. And I can't oh. think of um, their handle. And I was trying to look for it. Um, well, you can give it to me. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, okay. I'll find it. Also, you know, someone I really love to follow, he's a lot more like Western Washington gardening, um, is Charles Dowden, Dowdeny, Dowding, I think. He is a, I think he's a no-till farmer, and he turned his one-acre estate in England, he lives in England, so the weather's a lot like um, Northwest, he uh, turned his one-acre estate into a fully functioning CSA farm, and he does a lot of the lasagna-style gardening um and stacking and he has an amazing youtube channel which i've followed for years and he does everything from compost and how to make compost bins and how to do that and then planting and how to do lasagna planting because in washington we had more access to do that um our soil was better and so the whole thing of layering not tilling um how to even lay down in the winter putting something over your your beds right like tarps and like all these things to keep the moisture and all this kind of stuff in um but anyways that's a great resource as well and i'll put that in the show notes for people that live in a climate like his and also showing you what you can do with a small piece of property like you have sean right like mm -hmm. how much food yeah. you can actually produce for yourself or your community with not very much land yeah, you know, another um, person that came to mind while you were talking there is, is Elliot Coleman, um, who is um, a really predominant like farmer who's got a lot of literature out there. Um, and, you know, one of his big, like, I don't know if fame is right the right word, but one of his like kind of big things is, is hoops within hoops. So he's northern climates yep. and trying to get things to grow. And so he's got like hoops houses within hoop houses and all sorts of tricks for overwintering and gardening. Um, and then one more resource that I, I completely slipped my mind, but I wanted to mention to everybody is most folks, um, unless you're in like big city area, most folks have an agricultural extension office. Your agricultural extension office can be a great resource, um, not only for local agricultural information, but for pests, for testing soil, they put on classes. The map there's a master gardener class that mm -hmm. I think most of the nation, um, the the county extension agents um, participate in. I can't say that for certain, um, but I know within like the northwest region or most of the west, the, the county extension offices um, they put on those master gardener classes semi regularly, and it's a great resource. Uh, my partner Prairie has taken that course. Um, and a lot of people I know that have taken that course. So, um, you know, it's just not, uh, you know, not just books and Instagram or social media, like yeah. there's some old school, you know, extension offices through the County or city that, you know, are great resources. And they're well, before we had in social media, we basically had books and we had classes. I mean, I remember going to gardening classes. This is like, I remember in undergrad taking classes on growing food and doing all this kind of stuff. That's how you learned, you know, it's kind of this hand me down sort of education. 
obviously we have it now through social media and you can look up anybody in the planet now and see what they're doing where they live but these are these are going back to the old school ways of learning um and even if you love this and you want to you know asking local farmers like yourself or whatever you know to volunteer to come and help to learn to you know help harvest gather whatever it is that you can do and learn more about plants if that's something you need education on right Um, learning from people that do this every day and like we talked about it's you have to learn to slow down and you have to learn to watch nature and a lot of us, that's just something we're getting, I feel like we're getting farther and farther away from that in our, in, in just the way society is now with this immediate gratification. And like you said, sitting out on your deck and just watching, like, I've noticed here, the birds start coming back, right? Mm-hmm. Like when the birds start coming back and the sound, the noises, when you wake up in the morning and you walk outside and the birds are chirping and the animals are coming back and so it's like okay there's seasons that happen here just like watching the sunshine watching where the sun hits your property and where the hot spots are you know this this takes years of education this is not something you learn overnight and um i think learning from people that have done it and that are sort of tuned into that is going to be your most helpful resource because yeah and it's also a good form of motivation or right. inspiration You know, if you can get some volunteer time on a farm or, you know, with a neighbor or whatever and help out um, somebody, you know, it gives you a little bit of insight into what they're doing and like their passion and their like their drive will carry over to you. And you'll come away from that with, you know, more inspiration to go, you know, tackle that garden bed that you've been dreading getting after or whatever. Um, I hate to to beat this too much, but that's one of the reasons why I like Soul Gardener 74 so much is, is she is so passionate and just so into it all that she's really inspiring, right? Like mm-hmm. it just inspires you to want to get out there and do that gardening. Um, well, you know, the interesting thing with Ryan and I is when we first got married, I was the one into gardening. So I was the one into, because I was going to school for nutrition and I was just always really into nutrition and health and Ryan, like he'll say his dad was a big gardener, but he didn't really show any interest in gardening. And then he married me and I was the one that wanted the garden. And I was always making him like build me a garden fence and like do all this stuff. And then I went to school and I went back to school and I got too busy to be in the garden. And then I went to medical school and I got way too busy to do any of that kind of stuff, unfortunately. And I lost a lot of that creativity and that quiet and that watching these things being in that type of environment which happens in life right and then ryan interestingly enough he kind of picked it up he he kind of took off where i left off and he got into it and he went even more into it than i did so he got so into it that it was like he worked and he fished and hunted a little and he was like in the garden and if it was pulling weeds or doing soil or and he got so into it that he was really motivating for me so it's been interesting to learn this stuff together, but to also watch somebody like Ryan, whose personality is very suited for gardening because mm-hmm. he's very patient. He does not expect immediate gratification. He doesn't expect things to be perfect. He's not a type A personality. He, he doesn't work on this clock that I work on, which I think got kind of beat into me with school. 
and with like a schedule and all that. So Ryan is like, he was really motivating to me. And as we got into social media and we got into this, you know, um, learning from him was always really interesting. And I found a card the other day, an SD card that we must have done videos on in our old greenhouse like years ago that I've never shown. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I mean, I have content for days. Ryan, how, how to make fish fertilizer and how to do this. And like, he's doing, I just take video of him and never shared any of it. So I probably should start sharing some of that stuff, but he, you know, here it's been a little different because it's different, but again, people like that, like you or my husband and some of that patience and like, it's good to get around people like that because it makes you realize like, you know, life works in cycles and you need to slow down sometimes and gardening, I think, and the plants and learning nature and the seasons and the sun, it's all part of that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, part of what we're, we're schlepping or selling here is, you know, like pathways into lifestyles, right? Like I didn't, get into gardening and go wholesale like it was all very incremental and slowly but surely it steered me into this lifestyle that i live now where my life is dominated by farming hunting fishing and raising kids and you know family hunting fishing and gardening that's my whole life um but it's super gratifying um and i think for folks that are just getting into this you know, and, and folks that are definitely following you guys, right? Like that's the appeal in my mind is, is this lifestyle. And you may not be able to jump into every aspect of it all at once. You know, maybe you can't go out in the mountains and chase animals like Ryan does, but you can start a garden and you can hunt turkeys or, you know, you can do whatever you can go fishing and slowly, but surely if you keep with it, if you make that your goal, five, 10 years down the road, you can look back and be like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm now in that lifestyle. And it's, it's really rewarding. Oh, my oh. phone is ringing. I have a land. a real phone? I'm oh, like, yeah. Here, a real phone. I was literally just going to say, Sean doesn't even own a phone. That I don't even think I, can I text you on your phone? No, you, you can't. <laughs> I can clarify. I will, I'll be honest and truthful here about this. As my answer machine is going off. Yeah. Um, so I have a, I have a, what I call a handheld computer. I have a nice, I love this. Hold on. People are like leaving messages on your voicemail. I love oh, yeah. this. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, go ahead. Sorry. It's my mom. <laughs> mom. Okay. Call me. Well, if you want to know how archaic I really am, um, we still have phone lists that are on our fridge. Like your phone wow. number, Ryan's phone number, they're written <laughs> down on, on the phone list. Um, uh, so I have a landline. I live my life through a landline, um, but I also have a cell phone. I just don't have a SIM card. It can't attach to any of the cellular like devices out in the right. world, right? So I can't get phone calls. I can't really do text messages at all on my cell phone um what i can do and what i like it for is mostly a handheld computer when i have access to internet i can check social media if i want to or most importantly for me i have my maps and my onyx (laughs) hunting um and so um i could do messenger i was going to see if you're on messenger prairie 
my my partner's in currently in Mexico for two weeks, and she oh. pushed me into getting on Messenger so we could communicate. Facebook Messenger? Yeah, Facebook Messenger. Okay, yeah, I do, but I literally haven't done Facebook in years. Like that's great. I, I was thinking recommend. about that the other day. I don't think I've posted anything on Facebook purposely in in a long time. Do yeah. you have um another way? I'm thinking that you can do it there's a few other apps now you can download apps there's whatsapp most like whatsapp does it require a sim card well it requires a phone number (laughs) oh that's right you can send texts to to like i don't know security stuff well it doesn't work with a landline and then i tried to do it with my mom's cell phone and that didn't work so so a lot of the apps won't work for me listen um, listen i listened to like this joe rogan podcast about this guy that was talking about like all the government's watching everybody and it was like whatsapp's like the worst thing i was just like oh my god i need to erase everything off my phone not that the government cares anything about me but it's like it's freaky so you're you're doing what all the experts right now are telling everybody to do you didn't even have to worry about it you're already doing it so it's it's good no you know I think like, again, it's okay. And I was at the swimming pool the other day and they had the TV on. We don't have TV. And like they had the TV on with the news. Like we were there like five o'clock and the nightly news came on like CBS nightly news. And it was like the first story shooter in DC killing people and like all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, it's like instant like stress. And I thought like, all this technology, I took the news off my phone, literally. I took the news app off my phone. I get no notifications of news, of updates, because it just stresses me out. And this is causing so much anxiety, so much depression. And these are like the first things that are coming on, you know, with this media. So I, I think the more people can get in their garden and get away from the social media, it's great for resources. We love it. We use it. We've met tons of people through it, like you and et cetera. It has its benefits, but use it for positivity and like use it to educate yourself and help yourself and then go outside and do something like get off your phone because it's not helping your brain. And it's just, you know, it's, it's become a tool now that is like monitoring our whole lives. It's monitoring every single thing we do. Um, And Anyways, I think it's great that you don't. I like the fact that, but I email you. You're pretty good. I email you. You email me right back. So I know you get emails when you're on internet, you know, and then I'm used to hunters. Are you kidding me? I'm used to like, I send a a message. I don't get a reply for two weeks. They're like, sorry, I was barren. I was like, I'm like, okay, whatever. Just um, give me your hunting schedule. That's pretty much how I work. So give me your hunting schedule. Then I'll know when not to try to contact you. Um, even though you got all these garments and stuff now, even Ryan, you know, it's sporadic. He garments me once a day, everything. Okay. You know, he's not going to respond to every single message I have unless it's an emergency. So, um, yeah, that Garmin thing, it has made a big difference for us. It does. I would say if you're going to do anything, you guys like get one, get one of the systems that you can connect with your family outside of, of that. It's radically changed our marriage. That's for sure. Oh yeah. My um, partner, uh, last year was my first year with a Garmin. I, you know, like I, I don't like it, you know, it's not that I don't like it, but I just don't like that. I don't like being in touch. Like, you know, like that's why I don't yeah. have a cell phone, right? Like, I don't want anybody calling me <laughs> whenever they want. I want to listen to my landline ring and decide whether or not I want to ignore it. Um, but my partner worries about me, right? Like, mm. um, 
that, you know, your partner's worry and being able to reach out to her and let her know that I was okay once a day or, hey, I got an elk and hey, it, you know, it's four o'clock in the morning. I made it back to camp, you know, first load's done. Yeah. It made a huge difference for her. Yeah. Um, and if you can do that for your partner, if you can relieve that worry and that concern, do it. Um, yeah. And it's important for emergencies. I mean, things happen. Yep. We just had a, a poor guy get killed by a grizzly bear here in Paradise Valley. Um, out shed hunting. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. A, I'm going to say last month, uh, four kids, you know, young kids, uh, just out shed hunting with a buddy. And I don't know the situation and if he had any way to communicate, but he didn't show up at the meeting place and that's how they figured out something was wrong. But, you know, if you had something like that, you, I don't know, in the middle of a grizzly bear attack, if you're conscious enough to do it, but hitting even the panic button, you know, they're, they are good for things like that. And Ryan's been in a few scary situations in the past. So I think having that sense of security a little bit is helpful. If they work, I don't know, like you listen to Adam Greentree's story, it's like, mm, yeah, well, if the calls are getting out, right? I don't know yeah. if you've hit, yep. listened to his almost dying in New Zealand story, but pretty scary. And um, so anyways, I love this conversation. I'm going to go to the hot springs now, speaking of slowing down with my Yay, kids so and soaking some hot water. But um, we'll get back together and we will talk about another topic um, about gardening and uh, go from there. Absolutely. Awesome. Doc. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Have a good day. Yeah, yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.